Welcome back, everyone. This is the Mind Body Mentor Podcast. My name is Steven Jaggers, and I am your host. Sorry, guys. It's been a while since I put out a podcast. You know, this podcast has kind of taken a back seat to my my baby somatic release breath work, something that I'm pouring, pouring my heart and soul into to bring to the world. You know, we've had some doctors, psychologists, high-level life coaches, some really amazing practitioners take this certification course and take it into their clinical practice. And that is just such a good sign for the world that the world is calling for these sort of, you know, you could call them alternative. I, I, I don't align with that, but alternative healing practices because the world needs it. You know, the world is ready and the world is calling for it. And that's the only reason why this, you know, specifically somatic release breathwork is blowing up is because the world is calling it and, and I am a conduit for it, for it to move through. I feel absolutely honored. But this interview I did huh, probably four or five months ago with my brother Kyle Kingsbury. And it was mostly on the topic of psychedelics and entheogens. You know, breath work specifically is designed to take you into an altered state of consciousness, um, which can be a good segue into learning how to use plant medicines. Um, you know, they've been used for hundreds of years around the world, thousands of years, and only recently have they been, you know, criminalized. And I think that that's a that's a big piece of why we are destroying the world. That's my personal viewpoint. Uh, but yeah, you guys will enjoy this conversation. Kyle is someone that I look to who has really embodied and experienced probably everything under the sun. <laughs> he is an ex UFC fighter, you know, an FF fit for service coach, you know, ex director, opti- uh, director of optimization at Onnit, Um, and he's also a huge motherfucker. <laughs> he's a beast. And uh, that being said, he's also an absolute teddy bear, and I love him so much. So please enjoy this conversation with Kyle Kingsbury. Boom. All right. We are here on the Mind Body Mentor podcast with my brother, Kyle Kingsbury. Such an honor to have you, brother. Hell yeah. It's great to be here, my man. <laughs> Thanks for uh, some carving some time out of your day. Um, I am just super, yeah, super honored to have you. You know, I think the first time I met you, you came to Sedona to receive some body work from me. And that was uh, the shit that was two years ago, at least. Um, and uh, it's... <laughs> just being in your presence. I've never met somebody um, just so physically powerful, but also just, I remember giving you a hug and you just had the, the warmest embrace brother. So you, you, uh, you carried that polarity, um, that warrior energy and also that, you know, that loving caretaker so well. Thank you, brother. Very much appreciated. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And it was a pleasure to uh, hold space alongside you uh, for this last fit for service breath work and just to see you um, in that, that full on uh, facilitator role and, and show up in such a deep way for your community. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's funny that the first time I did that with Anahata, I don't know if you remember your first time, but it was, it's like we had three groups and, and group one was like, uh, I don't know uh, what I'm supposed to do or how engaged I'm supposed to be. And you look like you need some help, but I'm not sure how to help. And, and, you know, thanks to Anahata, you know, being such a wise elder, she was able to coach me through it. And by round three, I was rocking and rolling. And so I've never looked back since. And they've been, they've been great experiences. You know, every time you get a chance to lead and guide, uh, as a facilitator, um, so much energy gets moved. It's, it's, it's healing for us, you know, on that end of the spectrum as well. There's, there's no, no doubt, you know, the, the rising tide lifts all ships. And I certainly resonates with me when I'm, when I'm in that capacity. Oh man. Yeah. I remember at one point, I think it was like the second, you know, we had three different sessions with 50 people a piece. And I remember like the second session, I just stepped back for a moment and looked at the collective and what was going on. And it just, it brought me to tears. I really felt like I was receiving such a deep session from that. It was, <laughs> there's no words. Yeah, brother. Absolutely. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I got to hold space with you alongside of that, that facilitator journey. Um, but I'm really curious, you know, I know that you on your podcast, you've just so well articulated so many of your, you know, your own psychedelic journeys and your own, you know, self personal growth. I was just listening to the one that you, um, you know, your solo cast of um, Dark Night of the Soul. And I know you just did a 30 gram <laughs> mushroom journey. Um, but I'm really just curious about like, what is there a force with inside of you that just causes you to crave that growth or what is the driving factor beyond behind? Like what, what causes you to want to seek out all of these different experiences to get you to grow on such, you know, a physical, spiritual, mental level? Yeah. I mean, there's a running joke with some of my mentors that I, I like, I like max effort <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, part, part of that maybe is through the conditioning of, of football from a young age. And, you know, my favorite coaches pushed me past what I thought I could handle. And, and I realized that was just a glass ceiling. And then the next one was just a glass ceiling until I realized you know, they're, they're all glass ceilings. And, um, you know, each of these things happen at different different moments in time and stages in my life where I felt capable, you know, I've, I've had to be clear 10 years at least of guided sessions before I, I even considered the 30 gram dose with, with psilocybin. And um, you know, that was a solo journey, but that's the way Kalindia I recommended it. And he had been doing it for 20 years. So it was kind of like, you know, and he's got strong, strong, had strong warrior energy. Um, all his videos are still up on YouTube. If people are interested in learning more about it, I really don't recommend it for anyone, you know, if I'm being yeah. perfectly honest and I've only done it once for a reason, you know, it's, it's not like I, yeah. I did that. And I was like, okay, fuck yeah. Mm -hmm. Sign me up for more. I was like, Oh, I'm good. I'm good for a while. You know? And, and uh, um, one key takeaway in, in that too, further furthering the disclaimer rabbit hole was I, yeah. I wouldn't do it again alone. I would do it with, you know, mm -hmm. a high level, uh, medicine man or medicine woman who could sing the Icaros and guide me through the experience in a way where even if I could just say, I'm still alive, right? Like, that's an important question to have answered. Like, yep, you're still alive. You're about halfway through, like some grounding cord there uh, would have been really good. But, you know, I look, I look at not all of these, um, the deeper dives, as an, you know, the deeper dives are initiations. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, not all of my medicine journeys are initiations. 
Uh, I generally play in the four to seven gram range with psilocybin more often than not. Um, all of my previous experiences with 5-MeO-DMT, the Sonoran Desert Toad, which I talk about in the solo cast, we're, we're probably averaging about 85 milligrams, you know, and based on body weight, that's probably right in there. It's not, not a heroic dose by any means. Um, but, you know, there's a catalyst for these things. So with the 30 grams, I had, I had a, somebody send me from Fit for Service, a member send me a video from Kalindi and it said his heroic dose is 20 to 30 grams. And I was like, this guy's a fucking crackpot. Nobody does that much on purpose. You know, if, it, if that happens, it's an accident. And I started watching it and I saw how grounded he was in articulate and that he'd been a lifelong martial artist. There's a lot of things where I was seeing myself in him and really felt like I was given permission to work with that. And as I looked back through ayahuasca journeys that I had done, you know, I, I had an ayahuasca session um, stateside where I had asked, you know, like, I, I'm not going to be able to do this often. How do I continue to work with medicine this deep? And it gave me uh, a gold mushroom sprouted up. And then it gave me numbers in gold that went seven, nine, 11, you know, or something like that. And it was showing me how to scale and climb the mountain two grams at a time, which oddly enough, for the way is the way that Kalindi recommends you do that. So, you know, and I, I take, I take those downloads, not as gospel, but I, I definitely, if it resonates and there's a feeling accompanying that, I, I understand that that's what's true for me in any given moment. And, um, you know, I listen to the call, those, those experiences aren't easy, but they've certainly facilitated, um, massive amounts of growth, you know, and massive amounts of understanding and, and what 30 grams gave, you know, most people that have heard my podcast and me talk about in short, it was the most heaven-like experience on the front end and the most, the deepest hell experience I've ever, ever had, you know, like my deepest, darkest fears fully exposed on repeat. You know, I repeated on an infinite loop through those experiences until I didn't give a shit. It was like literally when I stopped caring and I started to call out what was going to happen next, like, okay, my wife's going to miscarry and blood's going to go everywhere and it's going to destroy the whole earth and consciousness will end. And it's all because I decided to do this, you know, so blame and all of these other factors accompanied uh, or to add it on to the fact that I was going to have to witness everything here end. And, um, coming through those fears, like it was like a report card it was to see like what's in my operating system on a daily basis that I'm not really paying attention to that's still influencing the way I think, the way I behave and the way I interact with others. And it was, you know, the ultimate weeding of the garden. You talk about, you know, Anahata's work and, and uh, what the spirit of the fall represents in her native American spirit wheel. It was the ultimate weeding of the garden. And that doesn't mean I don't have more stuff to work on. Hence, other ceremonies, meditation, yoga, strength and conditioning, you name it, you know, all of the practices. Um, and, you know, on a conversation like this, it can come across as if like this guy's jumping from one thing to the next. But I mean, it was, you know, it's been nearly a year and a half since that 30 gram experience. And um, probably a year later, I had my, my initiation with the 5-MeO DMT Sonoran Desert Toad. And that was, you know, the, the impetus for the Dark Night of the Soul podcast. And I'm still gleaning from that. You know, that was uh, four months ago and I haven't touched, I haven't gone to ceremony level since. I've microdosed, I've done other things, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm still integrating that. And it may be that I never have an initiation dose with it again, and that's totally fine. Um, I'm, I'm still gleaning so much from that experience and, 
Um, there's fantastic ways to learn about this stuff without going through it yourself. But of course, experience is the best teacher, right? One of the books that helped me unpack that was uh, the Kabbalion, which is um, the teachings of Her Hermes Trimistagustus. And um, that book really helped give me a, a, a compass on how to track my mind back. So the, the short of that one is I felt like I lost my mind for about 17 days and uh, didn't know how to interact within the world. Uh, it was the most jarring experience in my life. I mean, even by comparison, the 30 gram experience lasted as long as it lasted. It was over in three and a half hours. A day later, I slept, I slept fine and was back to normal. Uh, uh, this, this continued on because the, the toad has a, a unique property that allows for reactivations or night school, as Jamie Wheel calls it. Like no other yeah. medicine can really do that. So each night I'd go to sleep after the ceremony and each night I would dive back into um, new fear, new health, new things on repeated loops and mind loops. You know, even during the day, I would, I would have a thought form and, and something that I had held as a spiritual teaching that was like a really good guiding force, a driving force in my life would be totally upended. And, and, you know, my ability to track that as a loop was probably most, the most disheartening thing because it felt like I was stuck, like, and no thought would lead me forward. It would lead me back to the same place in which um, a certain degree of meaningless and purposelessness in life came up. And it's funny because I'm reading a book right now uh, by Adyashanti called The End of Your World. And he talks about, you know, the deepest experience of awakening is not one that leads you to a better life. It's not one that leads you to, uh, you know, some, some divine love where you're like, oh, okay, now I can soften. Now I'm at peace. It can oftentimes be the hardest experience. It's a fucking dismantling of everything, you know, it's an unlearning process that rips everything apart that you've held onto in your entire life. And it can leave you without many things to hold you up, you know, and, and, um, you know, going through that book right now, I can, I'm finally in a place where I can read it. It was offered to me by um, the, the curandero who I worked with at the time. And in those 17 days, I'd read that book and, and then go to sleep. And then that book would be turned on its head. I mean, it was like, I can't touch anything right now. I just have to sit with this. And, uh, you know, like, I, I don't know that if I need another initiation with that, but like I said, you know, I, I look back on that now with huge reverence. You know, I, I couldn't speak about it for two months other than to my wife and, you know, Paul check and, and some of the mentors who really guided me through that experience. But, um, I look at that as one of the, one of the best things that ever happened to me, you know, and that's, that's mm -hmm. hard because it's not many people get through that and don't find themselves in a padded cell, heavily medicated. You know, like the, that, that was the degree where, where I was taken to, you know, just to the edge. And then I hung out at the edge for 17 days and then thankfully was able to come back from it. Oh my God, brother. Was there something, was there a catalyst that brought you back or how did you know that you were, you were back? Like you, yeah, Paul, you were integrated. You know, my wife was really carrying the squad on her shoulders and she's like, dude, you're, I can't keep doing this. Your energy is completely off. Uh, I didn't know how to parent, you know, like you, you yeah. when you step into the boundaryless, boundarylessness of that experience, it's hard to have boundary. And part of parenting is about creating boundaries, about creating systems, about creating routine that then 
through structure allows your kids to play and open up and feel safe. Same thing when you have a dog, like you teach a dog certain things, you let it know that you're the alpha and then the dog feels more safe and won't bite other dogs because it knows you're in charge. Um, And maybe that's a bad example because kids aren't dogs, but at the same time you provide structure and structure equals freedom from within that. And then over time, those structures fall away and they have sovereignty. And that's uh, Mm. maybe a big mirror to the macrocosm of what we're dealing with now as a society. Structure is impeding us at this point, you know, so I'm not going to go off on that tangent just yet. Maybe we'll circle back to it. Yeah. But um, uh, tell me your question again. Yeah, brother. Uh, was there, you know, with through what that brought seven, me back? What yeah, brought, what you brought back? me back? So Tosh told me, she's like, you got to call Paul check. And um, that was another reason why I wanted to do a solo cast on the experience, because most people don't have Paul check on speed dial like I do. Yeah. You know, and I hit him up. Um, And I just let them know where I'm at. I'm like, if you have any time for me, please, you know, I mean, this is the hardest experience I've ever gone through. And he said, uh, I don't have time right now, but I will in a couple of days. And that was Christmas Eve. So, I I mean, I think I'm going to have five minutes with him. We spoke for two hours and we spoke about a lot. I mean, he really dove deep. He was asking me what was happening. and And I told him, I'm experiencing nothing but polarity right now. You know, and in contrast, all of my experiences with the toad prior to that were a full dissolve into unconditional love, like a love flowing through every ounce, every, every fiber of my being physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, like whatever I could feel my crown chakra buzzing with love outside of what I would normally feel as my head, like that, that degree of love. And um, this was the opposite and it was nothing but opposites. And any thought that I had that was good would be inverted to the negative. And any thought that I had was negative would be inverted to the positive. And it was like, there's nothing here that I can track anymore. And as I explained that to him, he said, that's why the Tao cannot be spoken. Because oh, anything you say of the Tao, the equal and opposite is true. God at the highest level, consciousness, the all consciousness at the highest level is everything. And that's part of the fuck up. You know, Paul Selig teaches the same thing. He says, all is of or nothing is. And you, you, you love the thing you love and you witness it as the divine, but the thing you don't love, you cast away, you hold in darkness as the dark, but the true master understands that all is of or nothing is including the dark. It's what Mm -hmm. Jung alchemized in the red book. And that fucks people up (laughs) to understand that Christ and the devil are one being in the grand scheme of God is an absolute mind fuck. Um, And then where do I track? Is it even worth showing up in a certain way? Am I chasing the wrong thing by chasing something in general? Um, but Paul just said, you know, like this, and that's where the Kabbalion came into place big time because it showed me how to track. It showed, it retaught me, um, it gave me a manual on how to interact with the world in 3D again. But Paul closed the ceremony. He said, have you closed the circle? Have you closed the ceremony? I said, no, we did nothing afterwards. And he said, okay, good. You're going to have your wife, Tosh, smudge the shit out of you. You're going to take a really hot bath with 12 drops of frankincense. And then you're going to speak out loud using the logos, everything you've learned from the darkness. And you're going to humbly ask God to bridge to the high self or soul to then bridge to the small self through your dream state without fear. So you can stay asleep and start to restore the body in a way that you will understand what this is. And I had, um, you know, that night was Christmas Eve. I had two dreams that were the most psychedelic dreams I've ever had, but no fear. I stayed asleep. I went through the whole dream. The, the whole first dream I ended up recording. It was, it was an eight minute recording of what I remembered. 
And then this little whisper came in, go to the bathroom, come back, throw, throw some tobacco in your mouth and lay down. And I, I be at this point, I couldn't trust anything. I'm like, what the fuck is what's going to happen here? Can I trust this? And I sit with it for a while and, and finally feel, you know, that higher presence speaking to me and it repeats the same thing. So I get up, I go to the bathroom, I come back and I throw an organic snooze in. And as I laid down and closed my eyes, I went into another dream and it was with uh, my wife, but I didn't see her as Natasha. I saw her as the divine, the divine feminine, the, the, the mother God, you know, and that, that created all things that birthed all things. And she said, I created the divine masculine. I created the divine matrix, the explicate. And I said, awesome. What do I do? And she said, be a man. You are the son, be a man, play the game. And it mm-hmm. was as simple as that. You know, I'm reading David Icke. I'm diving into the rabbit hole on, on conspiracy and everything that's going on in the world. And, um, you know, there is a mirroring. The as above, so below. The principle of correspondence they talk about in the Kabbalion. No doubt it influences our ceremonies. So as I'm trying to alchemize everything I see with all of the convid shit going on out there, I got to sit with that. And that's something I carried into ceremony. So for sure... You know, is, is this, you know, what the Gnostics believed where the place we're at was developed by the devil? Is it what, um, you know, are we in this matrix prison that David Icke would have us believe? Or is this the divine matrix? Is this the ultimate field that we can play in, in which whatever my guiding light is, whatever my belief structure is, that will be mirrored back to me. Buddha talked about that. There is a realm of hell. And if I'm there, hell will be mirrored back to me. Whereas if I hold the knowing that we're in a divine matrix that will mirror back to me everything necessary for my growth as God, not and not uh, separate from God, then that's a whole different experience in that mirroring process, you know. And so I went through this. I had that dream, and you know, play the game. It was very simple, and and understanding that, like, it, I don't need to understand the why behind certain things. It's absolutely impossible. I I had this vision of, you know, God ultimately being a Rubik's cube or a riddle. And right as you're about to solve it, the colors change on the Rubik's cube. You know, it is, it is, it is impossible in human form to fully grasp that. And that's something I was chasing, you know, a deeper understanding of what this is, why we're here, who we are, all those things. And um, fundamentally that cannot be known because everything moves at the speed of now right now. Right. So even if I had an understanding, it would only be true of a moment beforehand. It's not true of what it is now because it's ever evolving, ever changing. It's not a finished product. Consciousness itself is constantly unfolding. And I'm a part of that. And you're a part of that. And everyone listening is a part of that. So there is nothing, there's no pinpoint or button to put on it because it's, it's infinitely expressing itself. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because you know, psychedelics in itself, I, I look at them as almost like a, a practice for death, you know, a practice to, um, to be able to let go when it's our time, when it's our, when it's actually our time to fully let go. And I think you can do that enough. And then it's like, okay, can you remember to actually, you know, you can practice that over and over and over again, but then you still got to come back and play the game. And something that I heard Paul Check say, and I don't know if this was with a podcast with you, but he talks about the concept of having a strong ego. 
and not necessarily a strong ego as, as far as like, you know, being in the room and like, you know, puffing out your chest and shit, a strong enough ego that you can go on these different journeys, you know, have these transcendent experiences that, you know, sometimes are better left unsaid because then we had, we take these transcendent experiences and we try to shove them into words. And then it like downplays the whole experience uh, within itself. But he was saying, you know, you have to cultivate a strong enough ego within yourself that um, when you do go out, you have this vessel to come back to. You have your, yourself and your, um, (laughs) your operating system for this game that we are playing, um, in alignment. And I do see with a lot of the, um, the, the spiritual communities and, and other, I guess the, the spiritual communities in itself or the concepts of, you know, killing the ego or getting rid of the ego, those people go on these journeys and they don't have that, that strong self to actually come back to. And then they're you know disoriented or have to keep using the medicine and they don't actually integrate it back into the self. And I think understanding that our ego is our, our driving force. And it is the, it is the driving force and to be able to have enough awareness around, okay, where do I actually want to go to? And I can gently point the ego in that direction and be like, okay, I can become this person who wants to go in that direction. And, and always having that to come back to, because especially, um, you know, I, I, I've been facilitating lots of breathwork journeys for people. And a lot of people go, (laughs) go off and then they, you know, they clear out so much and then they don't have that, that thing to come back to that identity. And then they really struggle having a hard time coming back to this, this 3d matrix, which we chose to, I believe we chose to incarnate in the beginning to come experience this full spectrum experience of life. Yeah, brother, beautifully stated. You know, I think, I think for a lot of the people um, who have had blast off experiences with any modality, whether it's, you know, deep breath work that you're guiding or plant medicines, the End of Your World by Adyashanti is, is one of the best books I've ever read when it comes to that. And Kabbalion as well. Kabbalion is free. It's a, you know, they, because it came out so long ago, it's on the public domain. You can listen to it. There's an Australian guy who reads it and it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, but, you know, in those experiences, it's, it's the deeper you go, you're effectively hitting control, alt, delete. You know, you're going to, you're going to unload and offload a lot of programs and, Ultimately, you come to a place where the healing work is done, the self-discovery is done when you remember the ultimate truth that we're not separate from any and all of it is all of it is, period. It's not all is ever nothing is. All of it is God. When you have that knowing and it's uh, unwavering in your knowing, what do you want to create? What do you want to do now? You know, that's the only question that's left. You know, I, I'm 39, you know, I was 38 when I went through this. And really that's the question that comes up is like, if we fully dismantle ourselves, as we try to put ourselves back together, what programs do I add to the software? Yeah. What is the understanding then on how to operate within this abundant universe? You know, what, what is, what does that look like? How do I serve others? And how do I continue to not let these old codes come back online? You know, that, that want to be there that live in fear or, think of ourselves as separate from nature, you know, this, 
this whole thing that we see in the external, um, you know, vaccinating, vaccinating or vaccinating our way out of every potential problem is, is a fundamental divide from our true nature. Are we a part of nature or are we against nature? Is nature always going to attack us and win unless we somehow scientifically outsmart it? Or if we take care of ourselves and eat organic food and move each day and sleep and get enough rest and, and enough time away from our screens, then are we fortified exactly as God made us to be able to withstand anything that nature brings to us? You know, as we, as, as a, as an interwoven being in the fabric of God, there is nothing out there that can kill me from a microorganism standpoint or any of this stuff. It doesn't mean I'm not going to take, you know, uh, antibiotics if I get MRSA or staph doing jujitsu, but when I'm healthy, I don't get MRSA or staph. Even if I'm on a mat with somebody who has it, you know, like my son has never had a vaccine. He's been doing jujitsu since he's three. He doesn't get ringworm. He doesn't have Mercer or staff. He's never needed antibiotics. If it push comes to shove and he needs it, yeah, he'll take it for the first time. But six years, he's never taken antibiotics. Like that's a polar opposite of my childhood. I mean, I went yeah. through antibiotics, yeah. full rounds of antibiotics, probably five or six times a year for a decade. You know, yeah. every cold meant antibiotics. Like that's, that's just not, we're not looking at this the way that we need to look at this. And that fundamental core divide you know, if you travel the rabbit hole far enough, it's, it's by design. It's not an accident. We went this route, but at the same time, once we understand that it's not, you know, finger pointing who's to blame. It's the remembering that we are cared for. Nature is the pharmacy. And if we can come to that understanding, we come back into our sovereignty and the responsibility of taking care of ourselves is ours and ours alone. It's not up to the dude in a white lab coat to fix us yeah. and send us back to work our shitty job indoors it's, it's to understand like there is a different way to provide for others that allows me to not work in an office building. There is a different way for me to take care of myself where I don't need doctors. You know, like when I can come to that understanding and take that upon myself and, you know, checks, check is so brilliant when it comes to that, how to eat, move, and be healthy changed my life. It, it really was the book that taught me how to take care of myself. And the book that I recommend to people right now is, is the last four doctors you'll ever need ebook from Paul check. And the reason for that is those doctors, when you take care of doctor movement, doctor diet, doctor quiet, sleep and meditation and doctor happiness, your dream, what is your dream life? How does that look? How do you serve others? How do you interact within the web? When you get those four doctors on board, there's no virus that's going to come along and take you out period. Mm. You might get sick. You, you might get the virus, but you'll be one of the 60% of the population that's asymptomatic and doesn't even realize they have it. You know, mm. like the, this is, it's up to us to take that power back. And there's it's a lot of responsibility. responsibility. Yeah, it's absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's taking response. No one is coming to save us. You know, it's, it's taking, it's taking our own responsibility. And, and, you know, I, th- I think when I try to look at solutions, a lot of um, solutions that come up for me are like, okay, going back to wh- the way that our ancestors have lived and, and, and lived in more of a symbiotic relationship with nature. But at this point, I don't think there is any going back. It's like, how do we move forward? And, you know, what came up in meditation for me the other day is like, how do, how do we figure out a way where technology and biology can live symbiotic? 
And if you look at it, like they don't like each other, like <laughs> this Wi-Fi over here, I'm at, I'm at Drew Canoli's house. Actually, we were just <laughs> talking about, um, uh, this Wi-Fi route over here, the plant that was next to it, it just died. And it's like, it doesn't, it, it, and you know, the cell phone that's in my pocket, it like, if, if I'm wearing it on my, like next to I, my junk, obviously it's like, it's my biology does not like it. So at what point in time uh, do, and I don't have the answers for this whatsoever. And I don't expect you to either, but like, how do we create that symbiotic relationship? Cause technology, I don't think is going anywhere. You know, it, it can be such an incredible tool. Like we're, you know, able to have this conversation and, and share this with you know thousands of people, but it's like, at what point, how, do, how do we bridge the gap between technology and biology? Or is this just like God's plan to like create this separation until we eventually destroy it? And, and then it starts over again. Cause it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. I choose, I choose to like, you know, uh, view the, the first option, but, um, does that resonate with you or do you, what, yeah, when you try absolutely. to, th- when you try to think of solutions, like what comes to your mind? Well, look, it is the best of both worlds. You know, I was telling my sister about wanting to live in community and, you know, tend the garden, you know, to have regenerative agriculture on hand, our own water on hand, our own power on hand, and to be not um, completely off grid, but interconnected with the grid, but not dependent of the grid, you know, have our own food that's of the highest quality biodynamic and organic organically farmed that we have a hand in raising, have uh, water that we know is clean water, have power that we know we're not going to worry about rolling blackouts affecting us and things like that. If we cover those bases, that's true sovereignty. From there, we're still going to be interconnected with technology because solar power, wind power, whatever we're using is what's generating electricity. And all technology is awesome. You know, like I got to meet you by flying on an airplane to Arizona where (laughs) I went to college, like technology is awesome. We're doing this interview right now with technology. And I've downloaded and listened to more books um, on my phone than I've read physically. You know, like if I can, if I can knock that out while I'm driving, I'm killing two birds with one stone. And um, so, yeah, we are, we will never not be connected with technology. The second we started using spears and things like that to get animals, that's technology and technology will continue to evolve. Um, There's a great podcast for people to listen to on Paul Check's Living 4D with Dr. Ibrahim Karim on biogeometry. And that's one of the things he's Mm. doing. They've studied this stuff with a number of different implements, but they had 5G towers, I think in Switzerland, that were so prevalent, it was actually affecting the grass growing. And it was affecting the cattle's weight and immune function. And, you know, uh, he was asked to work with the government and he said, take the 5G down. And they said, no, we can't go back. It's too big of an investment. And it'll, it'll hurt our infrastructure. And so he said, all right, let's tinker with it. And he tinkered with it. And then what happened? The grass started growing. This is completely verified. It's not just, you know, some cool story on a podcast. You can check it out at his website um, and verified from the, from the Swiss government. You know, it's not like he's just like, yeah. oh, hey, this is what I saw. Like, you know, like the government's coming in and saying, hey, this works. We should implement this globally. So there are ways where we're going to figure out ways how to tinker with technology. And then instead of pumping out things that um, bring us out of resonance, we're, we're using these towers to create co-resonance fields that actually influence our body's mm-hmm. health and bring us into harmony with the earth, right? Like that's happening right now. And, and we have the mind space to actually create in ways like this, where we account for these things and bring that harmony back. Um, 
just tending to the land, European tilled land has 0.5% organic material in it. On average, in an old growth forest, it's 8% organic material. That means the microbiome of the soil, undenatured, is thriving, 8%. And one of the things they, they, they talked about, uh, the soil farmer talked about, uh, or soil scientists rather, out at Rome Ranch, about 90 minutes west of us, they do a bison farm, all regenerative agriculture. And uh, originally, the soil expert thought it would take 10 years to increase 1% organic matter in the soil. 10 years for 1% increase. So if you start at 0.5% European tilled, it's going to take you almost eight decades to get it back up to what Mother Nature had it, right? The way she had it. And what they found was three years into their, into their um, operation at Rome Ranch, on average, it was between two and a half and four and a half percent organic material everywhere on 1500 acres. So nature responds very quickly especially with our intention and the right mind space and heart space centered into that nature responds rapidly. So we have the ability to heal the soil and return to um, holding nature as a part of ourselves. And that gets mirrored back to us and, and it affects it so rapidly. Like there's, I don't have any doubt we can write the ship. It's just about bringing awareness to this stuff, you know, yeah. and about, um, you know, like one of the things I'm really being drawn to right now is building community out where we have our own land, we tend this garden and you're still going to, you know, on-site education for the kids, K through 12 Waldorf style, and also a tech center. So you don't need Wi-Fi at your house. You go to the tech center building, there's recording studios for podcasts, videos, things like that. And there's Wi-Fi throughout it. So you enter into the Faraday cage where it's all contained within it. Mm. And then when you exit, you're back within resonance on the land. You know, and I don't need to have the, the, the buzzing throughout the house because I've effectively mitigated that and, and contained it into one center where people can work from. So there's, there's lots of ideas like this that I think we can start to bridge a gap. And, you know, my sister jokingly said, she's like, oh, you're going to go live in an Amish community. And I'm like, no, nah, man, like I love electricity. Yeah, yeah. I love technology. Um, even just, you know, having this biogeometry cube, they have one. These guys aren't a sponsor, by the way. I'm just, I just love what they do. They have a cube that you can put in your house that'll mitigate the effects of Wi-Fi. It's like 238 bucks for a home kit. That's, it's not a lot of money to, you know, bring back residents within a home, you know, and it works for 3000 square feet, you know, just one of these things. So there's lots of cool implements like that, that are on the horizon and already out right now. And I have no doubt as, as we return and, and with intention, you know, we're going to get more ideas and more downloads of ways we can interact and integrate with nature and, and really it's about what we do with our, you know, our little, our little pie chart of time. How much time am I inside? How much time am I outside? A download I had on, on a much lighter dose of, of psilocybin was everything is your garden. You know, I talked to, to Dr. Will Tegel, who has a PhD in physics and a PhD in psychology. And he's a, a, an elder in every sense of the word. He, he worked with the Muscogee Creek tribe. Uh, his mentor was Bearhart Williams. And, um, you know, he's guided many sweat lodges, many vision quests, four days, no food, no water, the true, the oldest way to, to, to break through and have an altered state of consciousness. And he talks about the science behind eco fields. You know, there's an eco field at Zilker Park in Austin that has its own resonance, but it's also surrounded by buildings and 5G towers. And so it's, it's constantly, you know, working with that field around itself but I feel different going to Zilker park and kicking my shoes off than I do in Austin city itself. You know, it's right by downtown. Right. 
And each field interacts with the other fields though. So even if you have like, we're on a 5,000 square foot lot, it's a tiny cookie cutter suburb home with no space whatsoever. And for my wife's birthday last year, we planted, planted a bunch of bamboo, uh, like six fruit trees. We've got roses in the ground this year. We're, we did a whole bunch of uh, annual flowers, which bought in butterflies and hummingbirds and bees. Like that's creating its own eco field. However small that is, we have house plants in every freaking room in this home. That's creating its own set of resonance. And that resonance of nature indoors is going to bridge the gap to what's, uh, what's around us, whether it's Wi-Fi or, or towers outside of ourselves. You know, I, I think as we look to the future, there's been a lot of rendering, you know, uh, CGI stuff on way buildings could be built. And there's places that are highly, highly overpopulated, um, like Singapore, that are already doing this right now, living walls. You know, they're, they're bringing nature to the city. And with mm-hmm. that, there's more birds, there's, there's more everything, you know, that, that, that creates a certain harmony. And, you know, if, if you want to see it for yourself, just look at um, the documentary, The Biggest Little Farm on Amazon. Like that is, that is an absolute game changer. They took a 200 acre uh, dead space in Northern or Southern California, an hour North of LA. And, and in seven years, they made it the Garden of Eden on just 200 acres. You know, that, that might be, might be a lot for, for certain people to swallow. And they, they did it by themselves. They had to bring in ranchers and experts to help, but if you're doing that community with 50 families, 100 families, like many hands makes light work, that becomes much more reasonable to be able to accomplish those goals and bring this residence in. They, they, they planted trees, they fixed the soil, they did a lot of things. And over time, you see 79 barn owls coming into the space. The coyotes come back and they get rid of the gophers. Like everything has a place in this eco field. And it's, it's really beautiful to have like a visual of that, you know, the, the, the wife was, um, I think, a chef, a culinary chef, and the husband was a documentary filmmaker. So to take over a farm, these were the two best people possible to film the whole thing and show it in a beautiful way. And that's what you get to see. And when you have that visual imprint, I know what that looks like now. I know it's possible. It's already been done. And I don't have to take someone's word for it because I can see it. I can watch the whole thing come to life. And I think more people are going to be drawn to that. Obviously, with you know, for whatever reason, politically, uh, we do see every major city has the strongest COVID restrictions. And you could say, oh, that's for good reason. They're highly populated. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) maybe they're not the healthiest people to begin with. I don't know. But point is, there's going to be a calling for people to get out of the cities. There's going to be, we already see this now with the ability, you know, Zoom and all these other avenues, Zencaster, things like that. Like we are taking our work online. A lot of people have the ability to live anywhere they want now. So again, we answer that question, the same question when we come to our own healing through psychedelics or altered states of consciousness, what do I want to create now? How do I want to live now? And if we take nature, what's been holding us through this entire experience in the first place, if we take that as not separate and start to ask it, how do I work with you? We can come into harmony with it again. Mic drop. (laughs) Oh yeah, brother. You definitely answered that question. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I, I have no doubt that within humans' capacity to create these different technologies that are, are harming us, we have the capacity to create different technologies to restore nature. And just like you said, it, 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 it's, an, it's an inside job 
it's changing our own intention and remembering that we are, uh, we are highly connected to nature. And I think that that's where a lot of these, the psychedelics and you know, this, this internal work and, and can become really powerful tools. Because if you see, like, as soon as we started making psychedelics illegal, it's like now that's, that's about the time where we started destroying the earth. <laughs> um, so those is powerful tools to help us remind, help remind us that we are a, a part of this land and we are, um, living symbiotically with it and therefore we can start to receive that message and integrate it into our body and live from that place and create from that that place mm. well brother i want to respect your time it was it's been an, an absolute pleasure dropping in with you I'm so thankful for you and, and the work that you've doing, you're doing and, and just to be able to witness um, your evolution and your expansion and how, uh, how much truth and vulnerability that you share with the world is, is, is absolutely inspiring because we get to see, you know, <laughs> you're just a human. We're all just humans and we're on this journey. And if we can share, um, you know, what we're doing for growth and, and what's working and what's not working, we can, we can, like you said, we need a community. Community is absolutely an essential nutrient. We are communal beings <laughs> that in communion with nature and communion with each other. And I think relation and communion is, is, is probably our, our purpose uh, for life here. Yeah. We get to experience all the things that we don't get to experience without a body, you know, and that the best experiences are body to body, right? They're, they're in the company of friends and loved ones and family. And, you know, the sweetness of making love will never be matched no matter how good they get with Neuralink. It's always going to be the best, <laughs> you know, the best way forward, the old fashioned way, you know, and I think uh, the sooner we get back to that, the happier we'll be, the healthier we'll be, and the more we're going to get out of this experience. Hmm. Absolutely, brother. Is there anything that we can uh, look forward from you? You know, Kyle runs the Kyle Kingsbury podcast. I'll put all that in the show notes. Anything that he went over, I will also put in the show notes as well. Anything else that you um, you want to point people towards? Anything that you got coming up? Yeah, absolutely, brother. You know, Aubrey Marcus started the Fit for Service uh, community. And, you know, he had a download at Don Howard's to, to, to hold, you know, Dunbar's number, 150 people in tribe together and take them through transformative experiences. That's what we co-guided together out in Sedona last year. And that's ongoing, you know, it's, it's an ongoing thing. But one of the things that, one of the problems we had to solve is that we can only have 150 people face-to-face, -face, you know, and that's still an issue in, with, with the current COVID situation in, in different cities. But um, one of the ways we bridged that gap is we created the Fit for Service Academy app. And it's our own app. It can never be taken down by Instagram or anybody like that. And, um, you know, you can go to aubreymarcus.com and search Fit for Service Academy app or just in the app store on Google or um, Apple. And you're going to find it there. It's free for the first month, $18.99 after that. But it is a community that is growing rapidly. And we offer breath work. We offer ecstatic dance. We offer a number of different things every month. Um, myself and the other three coaches take a deep dive for 90 minutes with Q&A. And so there's a lot there. And what you find is there's a lot of like-minded people. There's a lot of people that are trying to grow, trying to learn, trying to remember themselves. And in that, uh, the offering far exceeds, you know, the, 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 anything that I could tell you about on this podcast, you know, we're finding 
subgroups opening up and different threads on biohacking to uh, farming to poetry, you name it, you know, artistic expression, it's all in there and you get to find your people. And what people are finding is that a lot of their people don't live very far from them. You know, we've got people from all over the world. I did a, I did a deep dive yesterday and we had someone from Ireland, Switzerland, Romania, people from all over the world are here, you know, on this app right now. And, and it's a great way to find community. If you don't feel you have one, you know, a lot of people live in places where, um, they, they have their group of friends, but this is not necessarily on the same path that they're on right now. And that's totally okay. You don't, you can't grab anyone's altar and pull them in there. We know that from our medicine journeys, people have to be ready and they take the fire walk when they're ready, but to find a community that is all tracking and, and working towards the same goals is really cool. And I think that's something that, that I think is worth checking out for anybody who's listening right now, fit for service Academy app. Yeah, I'm sure most of the listeners are, are quite familiar with that, but but thank you, brother. Yeah, it seems like you guys have been uh, cultivating quite a community in Austin too. I have so many of my friends that have moved there, and I think that maybe I might uh, take a little trip there here soon. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward. Make to Make sure you, you grab Drew Cannoli's ass and bring him with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Man, Drew's Drew's uh, he's been an incredible mentor, an incredible friend, and. Um, yeah, he's gotta he's gotta come with us. So hell yeah, bro. <laughs> all right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you again so much, Kyle. It was an honor. And uh, I love you, bro. Take care. I love you, brother. Have a beautiful day. Yeah, you too. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast with uh me and my brother Kyle Kingsbury. If you want to hear more from this podcast and if you enjoyed any of the information that I put out there for you guys please uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It just helps this little podcast grow and gets my message out into the world. And other ways you can support, if you want to you know, get yourself some organic superfoods from Organifi, some of the best high-quality superfoods out there, you can use the code MINDBODYMENTOR for 15% off at checkout, uh, something that I use every day. And yeah, tune in again. Love you guys.